You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. Craig Kula is creator of creategoodmornings.com, a website focused on helping people get the most out of their days by starting with a good morning. We talk about the importance of mornings, strategies for creating a good morning routine, and two powerful exercises that can help you gain clarity and expand your future. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. What I've noticed is that the morning is almost like a training period. I can try different productivity techniques or morning rituals that seem to extend into the rest of my day. The blog itself is something that I've been thinking for a while uh, about creating something online, an online business or a blog. Uh, I wasn't sure that I was going to write about mornings. That actually wasn't the thing that came to my mind when I was thinking in the past few years about what I could write about online. But a lot of the topics that I was thinking of writing about are centered around what you see on my blog now, which are things like habits, productivity, mindfulness. Before I started the blog, when I met someone who was a coach and sat down with him to try and figure out what I could write my blog about. And after a few hours, he said, well, what about mornings? Because I told him about my morning rituals and routines. And it all kind of made sense that the mornings really were the foundation that tied all of these different topics together. And that's how it was born. What was your motivation for starting your own website? Well, like I said, I've wanted to start a blog for years. I guess we need to go further back to yeah, like, like deeper into that. Like, why did you? What made you want to start a blog? Like, what appealed to you about that? Hmm. All right. Well, let's go back 15, 16 years when I graduated from university. I studied small business and marketing. I graduated from university in two thousand and four, and at that time, I knew that I didn't want to get a regular or typical job. While I was in university, I was working for a big bank in Canada doing um, telephone customer service. And I just knew from that experience and the classes that I took in university, especially the small business classes, that I didn't want to work for a big company. And then I ideally wanted to start my own business. But I didn't know what that was. I also knew at the time that I wanted to travel. So I had been saving money in university and then took off and went traveling to Asia as, and then after that, ended up in South Korea, where I lived for the next four to five years. Um, when I moved back to Canada, I moved to Vancouver. And my thinking then was I want to start something. I want to start some sort of a business. I tried to do that at one point, And the business, I found out, was not a very good idea. So I, I was going to teach English, but doing it in a more natural setting than a classroom. So we would go on field trips all the time, basically. We'd go to the mall or a grocery store or a, a tourist attraction in Vancouver, and I would create lessons that were centered around the activity, but the lesson wasn't necessarily the entire activity, just combining those two things. I actually went through a, like a business incubator pro- uh, program for this idea, so I had to like pitch the idea um, to this government-sponsored program. I got accepted, and I went through, I think we did two weeks of training to write a business plan or maybe one week wrote the wrote a, a business plan and then after that we um we had about four weeks of different types of small business training and it was in the middle of that program when i realized that the idea number one wasn't going to make any money so that was a problem <laughs> and number two it wasn't what i wanted to be doing i didn't want to be spending my time teaching english anymore i'd left teaching english and I didn't really want to do it anymore. That was what I had a skill set in, so I was thinking that that would be a good idea to start a business in. 
Uh, I also realized at the time that I didn't have a vision for what I wanted to get out of this business. When I imagined you know, five or ten years down the road, I saw myself just giving myself a job or running a, a, a company that was dependent on me being in Vancouver. And that wasn't the kind of business that I wanted to run. I wanted to start something that gave me some freedom and flexibility to work and travel if I wanted to, just basically to have more options. Um, so at that time, I started to look into other business models of what could I do that would help me achieve this vision of this freedom and flexibility. And that's when I started to look at different online business models, starting blogs or websites, and went down several rabbit holes, learned a ton. And then the subsequent past five years, I've experimented with a bit here and there. Um, but also, just after I took that business course, I ended up getting my dream job, which was doing marketing for the Vancouver Ultimate Frisbee League. And I'm still doing that job. It's a full-time job. And I have a lot of the, the freedom and flexibility and joy that I was looking for at that time, which is I work from home and I'm doing something that I have a lot of passion and purpose for. I can also travel quite a bit. I can work remotely. So I'm getting a lot of my joy and happiness out of that. But at the same time, I've still always really been interested in entrepreneurship and creating something from scratch. So that's kind of where the blog came in. So in terms of your own particular morning routine, is that something you're willing to share with people? I tend to not want to answer that question directly because as I write about in my blog, it's not, it's not really that important. It doesn't matter so much what I do. What's more important is what other people are doing that makes sense for them because I don't think there is any perfect morning routine or even the right rituals. I think it's entirely dependent on each person, how much time they have, what stage of life they're at, what's important to them, what's important to them now, what's important to them for the future. So I can't, like, I mean, I could answer that question directly, but I'd rather not get into the actual timing of my mornings and what I do. I yeah, that's totally fine. I understand it's a personal area. I was just kind of looking for uh, something personal to you and then why that works for you. Sure, we can do that. I'm wondering if you want to get specific on a ritual or do you want to know more about why morning routines and why it works so well for me? Um, why probably more, more of like a specific example for now and then we can go higher level. Okay, well, I'm going to think here. I have a few examples that I always draw from, but I'm going to think of a different one. Okay, one that I always draw from that we can come back to later is meditation. But there's a couple rituals that I'm doing right now that I'm getting a ton of value out of. First one is reading. I started reading about 20 pages a day 14 months ago. And last year, I read 23 books, which is more books than I read in the 10 years before that. So that's been amazing. I can't believe how much more I'm reading and how much more I'm interested in reading. So that's been great. And then the other one, I just started this one or restarted it. I've experimented with it in the past and recently I've added it back into the mix more consistently. And that's recording a video that's between one and five minutes. Uh, the reason I'm doing this is because, as we're doing right now, I'm being interviewed on this podcast with you. I've joined the Toastmasters Club. I want to get as good as I possibly can at speaking and communicating through speaking. So recording a two to five minute video of a question that I throw to myself or even a random question 
is helping me to understand how I'm speaking, where I'm pausing, when I'm using filler words, all that kind of thing. I've noticed a huge increase in the past. I've only been doing this again for probably about a week and a half. Um, but already I, I just, I notice it when I'm speaking. I'm way more conscious and aware of what I'm thinking about and what I'm saying, how I'm saying it. Even as we're speaking right now, I'm a lot more conscious and aware of it than I would have been two weeks ago. I don't. I have a friend who actually kind of got me on this. He created a little Facebook group for us. It's me and him that are in the Facebook group. Uh-huh. We share our videos with each other, but that's it. Okay. So it's more of like a private, like personal development kind of thing. Like the yes. same way that I like, uh, do some journaling in the morning. So it's kind of, you just do it in like a video format. Like you want to work on your speaking and I want to work on my writing. Yeah, absolutely. If that's, if that's the purpose of your journaling. So I'm curious about that. In the morning, you're journaling mainly for the purpose of improving your writing? Uh, that's like my long-term goal. Uh, the more immediate benefit is just clarity of thought and keeping the creative like flywheel in motion. Like keeping momentum with like coming up with new ideas and thoughts and stuff. Okay. Are you writing on topics or is it more? Oh, it's generally pretty centered around like entrepreneurship or like I'll have a like little epiphany and then I'll put it like I'll make a note and then pick up in the morning and kind of go off that note. Okay. Are you publishing it or is this something just for you privately? Uh, publishing like selections from it. Probably like one in 20 gets published. Okay. So is it, is it more of a, journal or is it more of a writing practice because when i think of a journal i think more in terms of personal to you documenting things that you're thinking about which is more i guess centered to your life as opposed to ideas around entrepreneurship are you doing one or the other or both um it's i don't know like, i don't see the, the distinction like my whole my, like my life and like most of what i think about is like entrepreneurship <laughs> like okay like i don't know like all the other stuff in my life is going like fairly well. Like I'm happy with that. But like the thing where I find like the most challenge and like, like interesting, like thought provoking stuff is like largely in the world like business or like investing in entrepreneurship. Can you give me an example of something that you would write about or have written about? You betcha. Today I was writing a little bit about how I appreciate that I've had two guests call me on my limiting beliefs, actually three Three separate people have like called me out on limiting beliefs uh, while I was interviewing them, and it was like awesome. And I was just kind of like walking through, like okay, like that's like a good point, you know, like they know what they're talking about generally, and like it's not doing me, yeah, like they're right, like it's not doing me any good to think about that. So it is kind of like personal in that sense, but it all like I think comes back to like me wanting to help other like like entrepreneurs um, develop the mental processes and kind of like the, change their mental landscape so that they get like a little bit more positive and like empowered flow of thought. So like, as I do this, I want to do it for other people as well. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Yeah. Happy to, but yeah, I'm not the guest on the show. I want to hear more about <laughs> uh, what you do. So, so you have Absolutely. like your video thing. Uh, is there anything else you do besides that? Oh, I do lots, lots of things that I kind of jump in and out of the main pillars I'll say of, my mornings are stretching and meditation, journaling in some form, which is uh, I do like bullet points of what am I thinking about and what is my mood. Reading is, is another one and some sort of gratitude. So either writing down something I'm grateful for or thinking of something that I'm grateful for. Those are kind of my foundations. And that's something that I like to tell other people to think about when they're developing their own morning routine or 
even trying to keep a consistent morning routine is that it's really helpful if you have some unwavering morning rituals that you can do no matter what just to keep the flow of the habits going. So when I'm traveling, I, my mornings look very different than when I'm at home. But I always try to make sure that I do at least something in the three categories of stretching, meditation, and gratitude. And stretching can be literally touching my toes, just that conscious awareness of, oh yeah, I have to stretch today and do something. And then gratitude can be thinking of one thing I'm grateful for. And meditation I could do while I'm walking down the street or brushing my teeth. It doesn't have to be a sitting practice necessarily. Yeah, that's really interesting. What are some other broad trends or broad categories that in talking to other people they find valuable? Well, on my blog, when someone signs up, they get a guidebook. It's called Five Simple Strategies to Customize Your Morning Routine. The way that I created that was by looking at hundreds of different people's morning routines and trying to figure out what are the commonalities here. And so I can talk a bit about those. There's just different strategies of yeah, please do. Okay. So one of them is doing something that you love, which a lot of people don't necessarily think about as a morning ritual or routine. But this can be really helpful for people who don't like routines at all, for example, or uh, for people that just feel like they want to start their day with more happiness and joy. So finding something that you just love doing for, it could be five minutes, it could be 30 minutes, whatever that time frame is. And that could be something that even changes every day. It doesn't have to be the same thing. Uh, another one is pr a priming ritual. So something that you're doing to either mentally, physically, or even emotionally get yourself ready for the day. I'd put meditation, journaling into those, those categories. Stretching would be physical priming. Um, third strategy is small wins. These are, these are rituals that you can do that are obviously just a small win. Really easy, really simple. And you can complete it and feel some sort of a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I think I saw a face, Facebook video of a army general or, or some fairly high-ranking guy talking about the power of making your bed every day. Totally, yes. That video is super popular. And that's the example I was going to give. Making your bed is, it is a very easy, small win that you can do. I think I actually started doing it around the time when I started morning rituals. I don't know if it was a conscious one or not i can't even remember at this point but yeah even and some of the things i've already mentioned too are small wins you could read one page that that could be a small win for you or you could stretch and touch your toes like it can be whatever you want it to be but something that's just really quick really easy and you're like yes i did that uh the fourth strategy is doing something now that sets you up for what you want in the future so building something creating something could be for you your 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 podcasting business or for me my blog but being very intentional about what am i doing now that's going to get me to some place in the future if i consistently do this day in day out and then the fifth strategy is not necessarily a morning ritual but it can be although i don't recommend it to be and that one is planning some people plan their day in the morning i've tried that i didn't like it very much because i found that when i woke up i still was trying to figure out what i was doing now I plan my day at the end of the previous work day. So when I get up, I don't have to think about it. I already know what I'm going to be doing, and I pretty much just execute. Yeah, it's interesting. That's something that I kind of in line. Um, I think like J.B. Glossinger 
said something like that, like uh, mornings start the day before, the night before. Definitely. Uh, which I think is true. Like, you, if you go out and just get trashed, uh, like, just drink a ton of beer, like, your morning's <laughs> going to be pretty messed up. Uh, and if you don't, like, do your schedule the night before, uh, your morning can kind of have a hard time getting that initial momentum and you kind of spin your wheels for longer than you otherwise might. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's something that I think the more that you pay attention to it, the more that you realize the impact that it has. Now, for me, it's to a point where I'll always make a schedule for the next day, but it doesn't always work out the way that I, I plan it to. Um, and especially what you're saying, yeah, like nights where... You don't have to be going out drinking, but obviously that, I mean, that'll, that'll throw you right off. Uh, we've all been there. <laughs> but even something like staying up a bit later because you get caught up watching Netflix or if you're on your phone or something like that, those can be really addictive and you stay up an extra 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then the next morning, maybe you get up 10 or 15 minutes later, but that pattern can easily continue into other mornings. So developing a, a solid evening routine is very helpful. And this doesn't have to be something that's a ton of rituals. I do like three things and it takes me less than five minutes. But having some structure to uh, the end of your day and also some boundaries or limits of you know when you would watch TV until or when you'll stop looking at your phone or when you're not going to check social media. I think those ones are really important to identify what behaviors are addictive for you that keep you kind of going and going and going and wanting more and that cuts into when you go to bed and therefore starts to creep into your habits in the morning because it's not usually for most people like a sudden change to uh, habits to bad habits forming or good habits eroding it's something that happens over time and you have to monitor that and be aware of it Something I was curious to, to ask you about, so there's like a lot of, it seems like people are unusually stressed out compared to maybe how they have been at previous points, you know, even as little as like 10 years ago. First of all, like, why do you think people feel that or like more aware of that, like he heightened stress and anxiety? And then uh, what do you recommend to deal with that? That's a really interesting question. I wonder if people are more stressed out or not. It definitely seems to feel that way, or at least it feels like we are more distracted but when I think about stress, I think of it in terms of the definition of, that I have of it, I guess. So let's try and define it. Uh, I, I see stress as when your reality doesn't meet your hopes or desires or expectations of what your reality should be or what you want it to be. So a few examples of that would be, let's say you're stressed with all the things that you need to do at, uh, at work or your long to-do list. You can try to think of ways to to reduce your to-do list, to develop processes where you don't have as many things to do, or you can try and change your relationship to stress, to the stress of that. So how you're thinking about it. What does success look like to you personally? I've thought about this question somewhat. I, I find that I resist the word success even because of how it's used normally, like... Like financial society. success primarily? Yeah, I think it, like when we talk about successful people in the broader context, it, we're usually talking about a business person or a rich person, which I don't... Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like that is my definition of success. So that's why I feel some resistance to it. But to redefine that for me, in my life, I would say living in a way that is intentional, that has 
purpose where I'm doing something that is about more than just me. And on a day-to-day level, I would say being present and making sure that I create space and time for the people that are close to me. So living in a way where my work is integrated with my life as much as possible and that I'm present for as much of it as I can and not just going through the motions. That's something that I kind of interesting I've noticed as I started asking people and, you know, talking to primarily uh, business people, some people have said, have included like financial successes, like a part of their definition, but overwhelmingly it seems like people go by some other metric. One thing I was curious for you, this is like a couple exercises you mentioned on your blog that, and I, uh, I went through the both of them to some extent. The first one is like, what what would I do with my life if I knew I would die in one years, five years, and ten years? And uh, you have a response there on your blog that people can check out. Uh, the one that I thought was interesting that I'd like to hear more about is the uh, picture your best life in ten years if if things if things work out perfectly the way that you want them to. Like, what does your life look like in ten years? You kind of walk me through a little bit of like what your life would look like. So that was one. Tim Ferriss had a guest Debbie Millman on his podcast. One of my favorite episodes, episode 214. I remember it because I wrote this in the blog post. And Debbie Millman goes through this 10-year plan exercise where, just like you said, you think of in great detail what your life would look like in 10 years. It's something that I haven't done because I I struggle with that thinking quite a bit. I I don't know what my life is going to look like in 10 years. And I'm kind of at a decision point in a way right now to, to figure out what direction I might want to go with that. So that one's a bit harder for me. Uh, the one year, five year, 10 year, 40 years, if I'm going to die in that time frame, I found that to be easier in some ways. Uh, but I do plan to do the, the 10 year visioning exercise. I just haven't got to that one yet. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I would definitely encourage people to do one or both of them. I was surprised how long it took because I was thinking you know, like, okay, you let down a couple of like, bullet points for like one year, five years, 10 years. And then, uh, I don't know, probably no more than like 20 bullet points for the best life in 10 years and it, it, each of them took me like an hour hmm. can I, I can i ask you some questions here i'm really curious about what you got out of that and how it differs each one sure so um the one years five years 10 years there's a, a what you do you know like what are you going to regret not doing and then there's kind of the how you do it and how you think about how you do it and i was thinking like if i knew i was going to die in a year uh it would it would be really hard to feel frustration with anything because like you don't want to go through your remaining year feeling frustrated and angry like the your ability to choose your thoughts really becomes clear in in that circumstance does that make sense yep and that's the thing where you know i always kind of struggle like oh can i really choose my reaction to things i don't know it seems like it hasn't changed that much year to year but then like when you're at like death's door you're like oh man like i really probably can change this a lot more than i thought i thought i could so that that was really interesting for the one year thing and then just you know really appreciating people and like letting them know that you appreciate them it's like a really big one yeah like dying in five years that looks more a little bit more like projects and uh the craziness of of me like you know like every time you hang out with a friend like saying i love you uh, like th- that would diminish a little bit. I'd probably do a little bit less frequently. Hmm. Um, all the things that you always wanted to say, but like never did kind of thing. And like you, you can pa- like all that gets packed in one year. And it's like a really intense emotional thing to like think through. And then five hmm. years, I think it's like subdued a little bit. Cause that's a little closer to like how people usually live. 10 years is kind of similar to five years because you can take longer range goals. Like I want to write a book. I want to have a successful business. Uh, this is kind of weird, but I might even, 
have kids if it's 10 years, even though I guess I'd be orphaning them at like age eight or something. But for me, things that I'd really like to do in my life, having kids is one of those things. How about the 40 years? I don't know if I did that. I could okay. think through it. I think that's a lot like how I think currently. Because I, I know I'll be 65 in 40 years and I, I can still do things, but like my energy to like start new things and like create to initiate completely new adventures, I think will be diminished. Like in some ways, like I'll be dead by the time I'm 80, even if I keep living, my ability to like get things done really goes downhill. Right. So like the last like 30 years of my life I see as really much less important than like the first 30 years, 25 to 55. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? In terms of like my current priorities. So what, just let's stay on this exercise for a minute. What did that change, if anything, in plans you have for the next one to five years or things that you'll do? I don't know the extent to which like I'll do different things like yet because I did them just like a week ago and it's still like processing but what it opened up was really interesting because I started thinking in terms of like really just aiming much higher with my goals like instead of thinking okay I want to make an impact in the world where people are willing to pay me like $60,000 a year for like that impact. I'd like to make the kind of impact where like I'm creating so much value that it's like crazy that people wouldn't be willing to pay like a million dollars a year or more or something like that. So it's not like I'm driven by, it's not the money, but it's like uh, adjusting my sides upward to like do much greater things and like make a much greater impact. If that makes sense? Yep. Totally. So yeah, I'm still kind of recalibrating. But it was really good because it got me out of a, a pretty bad rut. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank okay. you. Well, my pleasure. I'm glad that had an impact on you. Now I'm really curious about the 10-year exercise because I haven't done that one. So the 10 years in the future, what does your day look like? Did you go into the detail? And how did that look different than this other exercise we just talked about? So for this one, what I'll do, I have a blog post written about this in like more depth on my website, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But if anyone's interested, they can check it out there. Uh, But I thought it was definitely interesting for getting you outside of your normal patterns of thinking and kind of thinking about what the bigger potential for your life could be. Maybe I'll do a separate podcast episode about it or something as a uh, thought tool specifically. Cool. The other thing is, it, it was almost close to a spiritual experience thinking that way. And as great as that state of mind felt and how wonderful it would be to have that particular kind of life it seemed very within it seemed very within reach like within 10 years this could very plausibly be my life well one thing that debbie millen talks about when she explains that exercise is to look at it once a year every year and then see what happens after 10 years and she's done this with several people and she said it often ends up becoming true. Yeah, it's really interesting. It was really great. I just felt so relaxed and happy. It's almost like a spiritual experience. Well, I'm looking forward to trying it out myself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you need to do that, like, probably this weekend or something. Like, when, <laughs> I mean, make make your, make your like a, a whole hour for it. That's what I would say. Yeah, it deserves time for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I will do it. I'll do it in the next, I'll do it before the new year for sure. So who, who has been influential to your uh, perspective on what a good life is? Ooh. <laughs> wow. It's kind who of a deep question. Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, we're, we're kind of there right now already. So yeah. why not? I feel like there are so many people that it's even hard to name people directly. 
I mean, I, obviously the people that are closest to me would have a big impact. So, uh, I don't know. My dad was, my dad was a really interesting guy, very different than me. And there was a lot that I learned from him, but didn't realize it as much until maybe even after he died, when, when my sister and I really started to reflect on his life and we had to write the eulogy. But I realized that he was very, I mean, I knew this before, but he was very content with a simple life. He didn't care to travel. He didn't really do that much. Like he didn't have a lot of hobbies or didn't even have that many people that were close to him in his life. But he was, he was quite happy. Whenever you'd see him or talk to him, he was always just really pleasant, wanted to chat. When I would go with him to the grocery store or the jewelry store near his house, there was like this, this small mall that he used to walk to every day. So one time I went with him and we went into the grocery store. He introduced me to the person at the deli. And then he introduced me to the person at the bakery. And then he introduced me to the cashier. And he knew them all by name, called them by their names. Then we went to the jewelry store next door. And he would sometimes just go in there and talk to the people there. Um, and every single person said how pleasant and nice he was. And that was something that I realized, I think, later, the impact that that, that has when just being there, being present, acknowledging other people, talking to them. Such a simple, regular experience that so many of us, when we're busy, we don't even think about it. Like we're on our phones or we go through these day-to-day conversations in such a methodical, like I have to do this kind of a way. And I think there is space there to be more present and have a better interaction with people. Uh, Even in, in the small talk, that small talk, might be small talk and annoying to you, but it could be meaningful to someone else that you're having the small talk with. And often the small talk is what leads to the deeper talk as you get to know people over time. So my dad stands out as an example here. Um, but yeah, when I think of just the friends that I have, um, my extended family, I feel very fortunate that I've lived in many different places, had many different jobs, and got to connect with quite a few people pretty deep level and have just really good conversations. So I'd say most of the people that I've uh, become close with have influenced my life in some way and changed my thinking in some ways. And that that continues to happen. So that's why I love to connect with people, have conversations, even like we're having right now. You can always get a little bit of perspective and, and understand or think about life in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. What are some other books or resources that have been really impactful to you or that you just really enjoy? I think the ones that had the biggest impact on my life were partly based on timing, but I can go through some of those. I think six or seven years ago when I was looking at changing habits, I read A Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Really short, easy read, but a ton of value and completely shifted some of my perspectives on some of these things we're talking about, like the longer term vision but also the day-to-day, how do you slowly build habits so that you can get big results that you want in the future. Another one, let's see, on the productivity front, I read this one last year. It's called Deep Work by Cal Cal Newport. I was actually happy when I read it because a lot of the stuff he was writing about were things that I was already thinking about and doing. It was like, oh, sweet, like I've already figured some of this out. But he articulates his points in a way that it just made it very clear to me the importance of focusing for long 
periods of time and how valuable that is now and especially going forward as people become more and more distracted. Like the ability to be able to focus and get work done is something that is going to become more and more scarce. So that book was uh, really, really great. I think everyone should read it. In terms of a fun one, Shantaram is uh, the longest book that I've ever read. It's a fiction. It's like 900 pages. Although it's not really clear what, like, what part is fiction and what's not because the guy that wrote it, he escaped from prison in Australia and fled to India and then started a life there. So when you're reading it, you're not even sure. Like Some of it is it's based on his life story, but then it kind of goes in directions. You're like, could this really be happening? But it's a page turner. I could not stop reading it. And I finished a 900-page book, which I never thought I would do. I'll give you one more. Oh, yes. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I read that, I think, five years ago. Uh, it's definitely a spiritual-based book, but it focuses on the idea of being present and and talks a lot about the ego, how to how to, to be present and to uh, silence the ego and, and what the ego is. And there's just a lot of concepts in, in there that I had never thought about or heard, like the idea of the past and the future being thoughts in the present that and the only thing that really truly exists is this present moment and uh thanks so much for taking the time i enjoyed our conversation my pleasure i had fun too thanks for sharing all your stories too oh yeah happy to i feel like it turned into a little bit of a therapy uh (laughs) appointment at a certain point yeah so i'll need to like make some choices about how how to edit that exactly Uh, maybe i'll just leave it all in who knows i think that's it thanks for your time no problem thanks for having me You can find Craig and his work at creategoodmornings.com, where you can also sign up for his newsletter and get his complete list of strategies for creating good mornings. If you like this conversation and want to hear more like it, make sure you are subscribed to Why Try in your podcast app. I'd also like to ask for your help in leaving a review, which will help others discover Why Try. You can leave a review in your app by clicking Library, then Shows, then Why Try, and then scrolling down until you see an option to leave a review. After leaving a review, send me an email and I'll send you two book recommendations as a thank you. This week, ChiMan704 says, Insightful. I always enjoy hearing other people's stories, especially if they have defined their own goals and taken unconventional paths to reach them. These talks are insightful and worth a listen. So, thank you, ChiMan704. And the rest of you, be more like ChiMan. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, who once raced atop the shells of giant snails on the coast of Madagascar. It was a grand adventure until tragedy occurred when their bassist tried to take a shortcut across the salt flats. You can find their sizzling songs on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and cepdx.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.